Great. Thank you very much. As Owen said, my name is Karen and I work for the charity Christians Against Poverty. Has anyone heard of Christians Against Poverty before? Brilliant. Quite a few of you. Does anyone, to your knowledge, run the Cat Money course at your church? Okay, a few of you, brilliant. So you might have either done something to do with the Cat Money course or you might have heard about it before. But what I want to talk about over the next 45 minutes or so is what the Bible tells us about money because it's really important. Who here thinks that the thing Jesus spoke most about in the Gospels was faith? Who thinks it was prayer? Who thinks it was finances? What else could he have spoken about, guys? Yeah, it's finances. In fact, he spoke four times more about finance, about possessions, about wealth than he did about prayer or faith. Jesus thought it was massively important to talk about. And that's why it's good to look at what the Bible actually tells us and the perspective on it. Who here has heard a preach about money at church before? Yeah, quite a few people. And it seems to be kind of similar things. I might be talking about a few of those things today, but hopefully I'll be saying something that resonates with you, something that maybe you haven't thought of before. And also we can spend some time at the end just to pray about how we can be better with our money as well. So I want you to leave the seminar feeling like you know a bit more about what the Bible teaches us about money. I also want us to look at how we can be generous, how we can be content, and also how we can be better stewards of the money that we have as well. And we're going to start with a quick game. So you guys might have uh, played this game before. It's called Who Said It? And the two people that we're looking at today are Jesus Christ and Richard Branson. So who knows who Richard Branson is? Okay, yeah, so he owns Virgin. He owns a little Caribbean island as well, which is a fun fact. So I'm going to ask you uh, a, a quote. And I want you to tell me whether or not you think it was Jesus Christ or Richard Branson. So you're going to have to get up and down. I'm really sorry because I feel like a lot of you brought cushions to keep comfy. But I want you to stay sitting down if you think it was Richard Branson. And I want you to stand up if you think Jesus said it. So the first one, spent ages doing that, learning how to crop out the backgrounds. Great. The first one is, with extreme wealth comes great responsibility. Sit down if you think it was Richard. Stand up if you think it was Jesus. (laughs) There's one person who thinks it was Jesus. Go on, have a crack. Okay, sorry, it was was actually uh, Richard Branson, so you should have stayed sitting down. What about, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be? Yeah. I feel like most people are going to stand up for that. That sounds a lot more juicy, doesn't it? Okay, some people have handing hands up. That's fine. Brilliant. And that is in Matthew 6, verse 21. The next one. You cannot serve both God and money. It's a tough one. Yeah, definitely that one. Yes, that was Jesus. And you can see that in Matthew 6, verse 24. What about material things are delightful, but they're not important? (laughs) Okay. Yep, that one was Richard Branson. Well done for most of you. What about money is a poor indicator of success? They probably did have the word indicator in Hebrew, so... No? Okay, you all think it's Richard Branson while you're correct. What about protect yourself against greed? (laughs) Okay. That one was Jesus. You're correct. That's Luke 12, 15. What about this one? If you want to build a tower, won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you've got enough money to complete it? Uh, 
Luke 14, 28. Yeah, that's right. That one was a toughie. Okay. Never go into business purely to make money. If that's the motive, you're better off doing nothing. Who do we think said that? Unanimous Richard Branson. One Jesus person there. Brilliant. Fantastic. It was Richard Branson. So sorry, you did get that wrong. And finally, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. Who do we think said that? I feel like lots of people have hands up, but is anyone sitting down for Richard Branson? (laughs) Okay, brilliant. Yeah, that one's in Matthew 19, verse 21. Great. So things that Jesus said about money can still be relevant today. And I think that's something to remember, that what Jesus said about money isn't necessarily countercultural. Actually, a lot of what he said, people do still believe today. And I think it's really important to look at what he said as a real vision for what our lives can be about. I want to ask you a question. What is your most prized possession? Think about it in your head. Did anyone pick their mobile phone? Yeah. Did anyone pick a musical instrument? Yeah, some jewellery, maybe like a bike or skateboard or some sort of sport thing. Okay, so a few nods for different things, some of the things that we really love. And I want you to remember that because we're going to come back to it later. Money is mentioned over 2,000 times throughout the Bible. So that's about money, that's about possessions, that's about wealth and finance. And Jesus in particular was interested in talking about this. Actually, 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus taught were to do with money and possessions. Can anyone, just kind of speaking to the person next to you, try and come up with as many of those biblical verses about money as you can? Just think about what you've heard in the Bible. Have a quick chat. Okay, who thinks that they thought about five? Five ones from the Bible, yeah? Anyone get more than five? Anyone get like ten? Anyone 15 plus? Okay, so you guys know a few. That's pretty good. I'm going to be talking about quite a few of them today as well. So if you're on the five scale, hopefully you'll be the 10 scale by the end of this seminar. So I want to talk about three themes that I really feel stand out that Jesus talked to us about in the Gospels and also that the, uh, the apostles speak about in the New Testament as well. And the first one is how to be generous with our money. The second one is how to be content with what we have. And the third one is talking about how to be good stewards of what we do have and our money and possessions. Let's look at Jesus's view on generosity first. Why is it so important for us to be generous? Because Jesus was generous to us. In Corinthians, Paul says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that through his poverty, we might become rich. When we think about everything that Jesus did for us, doesn't it make sense that we're generous back? In Matthew 6, 19, verse 21, Jesus tells us, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, 
there your heart will be also. So Jesus is basically telling us that no matter what we have here on earth, it's not coming with us to heaven. Even if you bury yourself with your mobile phone, it's not going to be there in heaven. Sorry, Snapchat, not there in heaven. The treasures that we need to store up are the ones that we're going to use in heaven. And what does this mean? Well, let's look at what Jesus said earlier on in Matthew 6. He said, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now, Jesus is telling us to be generous, but he's also telling us not to brag about it. How many times do we see our friends on Facebook or social media do something nice for someone, like a little act of, of random kindness, giving something to someone on the street or, you know, helping, and they talk about it on Facebook to try and get loads of likes? Put your hands up if you've ever had a friend that's done that. Like so many times. But that's not what we're meant to do. We're not meant to do good to get others to tell us that we're good. When we do good things, when we're generous on earth, God sees all of that and he rewards us in heaven for it. So it's so important for us to be generous, but also it's important for us not to brag and be like the hypocrites were in Jesus' time. So I challenge you, next time that you do something nice and you kind of want to put it on Facebook, like, oh, I made a cup of soup for my friend or... I don't know why cup of soup. My friend literally did that the other day and said she would put it on Facebook. So there you go. But if you like give some money to someone who's homeless on the street or do something for charity, try and not put it on Facebook because actually God's seeing that and he's going to reward that. But you don't need to store up those treasures here on earth. And I feel like we need to be content. We need to be content with what we have. So let me read a verse 24 of Matthew 6 to you. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So the second thing that Jesus tells us in this passage is that we can't serve both God and money. Now think about the question I asked you before. What is your most prized possession? How important is the stuff that you have and the stuff that you own? If God challenged you right now, to give up that most prized possession, would you? Hands up, would you? Okay, you guys are really holy, right. But it's really good to think about. I don't know if I could, but actually that's the point. Jesus came to challenge us on the things that we feel like are our rights. He came to earth to challenge our way of thinking and to lead us to live our lives in his light. So think about that. Next time you've got something that you really don't want to give up, next time you've been you know, asked by a friend to maybe give something to charity or to help them out or to be generous, think, could I give that thing up if it's for the glory of God? In Acts 4.32, the early church shared everything they had. All of the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. 
So imagine if God called you to hand over your mobile phone to your friend right now. Imagine if God asked you to open up your home to someone in your church who's a bit down and out or needs a friend and you really wanted to just binge watch Netflix all afternoon and you had to like be nice to them and smile and make conversation. Who here has ever had their parents open up their house on Christmas Day to someone in the church who's lonely or to go and do outreach instead of just spending Christmas Day together as a family? Hands up. And doesn't it feel like sort of unfair? And actually, that is exactly what God calls us to do, to be generous, to open up, to be content with what we have because we know that others don't have as much. And that is another challenge as well. And it's definitely going to challenge me next time that actually happens. But we'll see. And hopefully God can kind of bring us through that and tell us how good it is to share everything that we have. We live in a culture where we can have what we want. We can have it now. We can buy it on credit. We can borrow the money. We deserve it. We're worth it. We can pay for it now. Uh, We can buy it now. We can pay for it later. But what does this actually say about our trust in God as well? In Philippians, Paul, who has literally been shipwrecked, beaten, persecuted, imprisoned, and starved, says, I know what it is to be in need, yep, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And that's so challenging, because if Paul has been through all of this, And he is still the one that is content in God. And yet we have loads of stuff. And sometimes we're asked to give something up or something's taken away from us or we feel like God's taking something away from us. We often forget to be content in what we actually do have. So Paul understood that his worship to God and serving God was so much more important than anything that he could get in material comfort and possessions. He learned to be content in every situation. And God probably hasn't called us to the fate of Paul. I don't think anyone here is going to end up, um, you know, shipwrecked, hopefully, uh, or persecuted or imprisoned. But actually, Paul was so busy serving God that he had that opportunity to be content. And maybe where we're serving God, whether that's in ministry or church, whether that's just, you know, talking to your friends about Jesus... We just have to remember that we need to be content in that. If we do let money rule our lives, it ends up controlling us, and we don't control it ourselves. And that gets in the way of us worshipping God fully because our lives are just focused on material goods, what we can get, what we can have. And also, this ends up with people getting into debt. One of the things that Christians Against Poverty do is help people who are in massive debt, unmanageable debt. And we see people time and time again who say that they got to a stage where money controlled them. And actually through the help of CAP, through what we do through our debt counselling, but also for those people that have found Jesus as a result of working with us and being part of a church, that's where they found control and that's where they found freedom. When you're living in poverty or debt, you honestly feel like money is controlling you and not the other way around. But God does not want that life for us. He wants us to live in freedom and light. So Jesus tells us we need to take control over money so that the only thing that we can be serving is God. Now, being content doesn't mean you should be sitting around and waiting for God to pour money into your lap. That's not how it works. 
Paul was obviously really hard at work trying to share uh, the gospel with the Gentiles. So he calls us to be stewards of what we have got. God calls us to be good stewards of what we do have. And that's my next point. I'm going to tell you a story, but I do need three volunteers. You don't have to do anything embarrassing. You're literally just standing there holding some stuff. Can I have three volunteers? Yeah, brilliant. Just come up. Whoever gets here first, it's a race. Oh, okay. Oh, oh. Wow, okay, I need more volunteers later, I think. Or maybe that's the other one. If you guys stand here, is that all right? So we can see you. Okay, this is a story about a father and his sons. So a father has just retired, and to celebrate his payout, he has given his three sons and daughters uh, some of their inheritance early, um, just before he jets off on a Caribbean cruise. So the first son he gives... £5,000. So you can be the first son. Here's your £5,000. Well done. To the second son, he gives £2,000. Sorry, and also sorry that you're a son in this context. Um, It's going to get confusing otherwise. And to the third son, he gives £1,000. There you go, mate. Thank you. Great. So the first son, well, he was an entrepreneur. He was a great communicator, he was charismatic, he was strategic, he was charming. Are you all of those things? Who does God say you are? Yeah, he says you're that. Brilliant. And he used his £5,000 to buy materials to start up his own business, selling cute costumes for pets. Ah, He worked extremely hard and ended up with a turnover of £25,000. Because there's some more money for you, mate. Brilliant. And also, he got to sell the cute, adorable costumes for pets. I couldn't get a proper animal, so I had to get a bear. So he's got a pet bear, which is really exciting and probably illegal. So the second son was a musician. He used his £2,000 to buy an amazing violin. And every day, he went out on the streets to busk. My boyfriend got that for £50 at Glastonbury. He ended up earning twice what he had been given by the father, £4,000 altogether. Well done. And the third son, he was also talented. He was a great artist, but he was also pretty lazy. He didn't spend the £1,000 he was given, but he did just let it sit in his current account in the bank. It wasn't even collecting interest in an ISA. He spent most days watching box sets on Netflix. Well, I'll tell you what box set, says the second son. He was halfway through Designated Survivor. Ah, Okay, yeah, I didn't really like it that either. But he couldn't stop watching now. He was almost there. By the time his father came back, not a thing had changed for the third son. You can throw your money over the shoulder if you want. Yeah, that's right. Brilliant. When the father returned, he asked his sons what they had done with their inheritance. The first son told his dad about the success of his business. The father commended him on his efforts, exclaiming, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your father's happiness. He asked the second son, who told him what he had managed to do through his hard work busking. Yeah. Well done, good and faithful son. 
You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your father's happiness. But when he spoke to the third son, he was not pleased. The third son said, you're so difficult to please, dad. So I didn't bother doing anything with the money. I mean, it's just been sitting in my bank, so you can have it back if you want. The father replied, oh, I'm difficult to please, am I? Designated survivor watcher. You could have done anything with the money. You didn't even bother putting it in a savings account so it could gather interest. You lazy son. How can I trust you with anything big if you can't even handle the small things? Round of applause for these guys. Thank you so much. Great. Who here knows what story that was based on in the Bible? Hands up. Shout out. Talents. Parable of the talents. Yes. Sometimes known as the parable of the bags of gold. But what does this mean? Jesus is teaching us good stewardship here, taking what we have and expanding it, not just letting it fall to the wayside. So this doesn't mean that we all have to be entrepreneurs. Definitely doesn't mean that we have to gamble with our money. But it does show us that when God gifts us with a little, if we can prove that we can claim responsibility over it, he will give us more to manage. The point of this story is not how much each son had to begin with, or at the end, but the effort put in by the sons to create more given by the father. Money is a resource, and God gives it to us to use well in our own lives and the lives of others. Think about all the cute costumes that those people had to put on their pets and bears. Think about the the people who experienced that amazing violin music. You know, those people were gifted as well. Who here has heard the verse in the Bible which says, money is the root of all evil? And who here feels like that pretty much guides everything they think about money? Because money is not evil. The way we use it can be for good. And that's what the Bible tells us. It's about using money for the good of others, to give glory back to God. Another story in the Gospels which portrays this is the story of the widow's offering. In Mark 12, 41 to 44, we read... Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few pence. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all of the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. This woman had so little, but she gave everything she had. She knew generosity in abundance. And Jesus is so pleased with this. Just like the parable of the talents, it is not about the money. The first son still had more than the second son, but the father embraced him in the same way. It's about what we do with the money. To summarize, Jesus said loads about money, about finances, possessions, wealth. He taught us how we should live, how we should use our money. And with one in every 10 verses in the Gospels being about that, isn't it really important that we think about what we can do with our money and our wealth, our possessions, our finances? I'm going to be leading a workshop later. Owen mentioned it. 
um, which is going to be an opportunity actually to just look at how we can be better with our finances. So I've got some activities that we're going to do together, go through a handout, hopefully teach you guys some really good ways to handle your money. Who here is going to go off to university maybe at the end of the summer? Okay, quite a few of you. Honestly, this is such important stuff to know before you go off to uni. We had someone do this student course and they said they were the only person in their halls of residence that didn't go into their overdraft for the whole year. Honestly, it's really good and really important to be good stewards of our money and we could do that by learning how to handle it better. And who here is maybe going off to do like an apprenticeship or maybe leaving home and going off to do things by themselves? Yeah, so once again, just really important to know some good things. There's going to be loads and hints and tips as well on how to save money as a student. Loads of discount sites. I'm going to tell you about all of them. So please come along. It'd be a really great opportunity to learn some more about what we've spoken about. And obviously, you know, what Joel said earlier about how God will actually change our hearts before he can change our behavior. That's what this is. Learning about why money is so important in the Bible and actually being able to put that into practice through the behavior of that is really important as well. So that's kind of the end of my seminar. I'm going to leave with a few questions and then we're going to go into a bit of time of um, prayer as well so we can kind of think about these things for ourselves. So I want to ask you um, a question, well, three questions, and I want you to maybe make a note if you've got a notepad or on your phone or however you want to do it. Chat with the person next to you for a few minutes and then we're going to get some prayer for it as well. But I want you to think about one way that you're going to be generous this month with the things that you have whether that is opening up your home to a friend who's down and out, whether that's, you know, maybe giving some money away to charity, whether that's giving some money to someone that you see that's homeless on the street, whether that's giving some money to your church for the first time in a collection. What does that look like for you? What is generosity for you? And what's one thing that you're going to do to be generous this month? And the second is, what's one thing you are going to go without to be more content? So to, to learn contentment. And when I was raising money for, for my charity, Christians Against Poverty, I did 20 days of cold showers. And it was in the middle of November. And it was hard. And I hated it. But, you know, I did it because I wanted to raise some money to be able to... I know I've just said don't share this with everyone. But, you know, like, I did it because I wanted to glorify God. You know, what's one thing that you could do without or maybe do to act in contentment this month? And finally... What's one good thing that you're going to do to be a good steward of your money? Who here is going to go sit and watch the whole of Designated Survivor when they get home? Great, honestly, it's not actually that good. Um, who's going to go home, though, from New Day and probably just go back into their old ways and, you know, do a lot of just hanging around in the summer and watching a lot of TV and, you know, things that actually aren't us being good stewards of the things that we have. Let's really go out there. Let's use our talents that God's given us. Let's use the things that he's bestowed upon us to do good and to just be great stewards of what we have and of our money. So I'm going to leave us there. And I think we're going to go into a bit of time of worship. Please do come along to my workshop if it's something that you want to learn more about, how to be good with your finances. Thank you so much for participating and being an awesome audience and group of young people. Um, I totally feel cooler when I'm around young people, so I feel pretty good right now. Um, And yeah, let's just lift this up to God and just thank him for what he's given to us.